Welcome to a very special edition of the Royal Lions UK podcast. I'm Matthew Turner, alongside my co-host Anthony Fitzpatrick, Ryan McCluskey. As you can see, we got a legend in the house. Former Lions safety Glover Quinn is here. How are you doing, man? Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate your time. Man, I'm doing great, man. How are you guys doing? Appreciate you guys having me, by the way. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on, Glover. I just want to say I'm completely fanboying right now. You, to this day, are still my favorite Detroit Lions player ever. And to be here talking with you now is something completely special. So, you know, thank you for doing this. Uh, it's made my day. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. That's a that's a high uh, uh, that's a high compliment, man. And and thanks to but Ryan I, as I well for arranging it. In the first place. Right. Yeah. Right. I just I just always reaching out to people like say, and I, I said to myself, if there's anyone can have on, I'd love to get Glover on because everyone's like fangirling. But I'm a defensive <laughs> back. I play it. I love defensive back as a position. You had that fantastic reign as a safety and we've not been able to replace you since it feels like it's been a hole ever since you left <laughs> oh you know that's... they got some talented guys there man they, they got some guys there tracy's playing well we stay healthy and you know he just got to learn you know you guys caught me um you know detroit for the most part you guys caught me in you know the 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 latter part of my career you know I mean that towards I don't say in but you know in my in my prime years so the the learning experiences that you know the Houston fans had to deal with you know although it, you know I played well in Houston as well but um the GQ that you guys got to see was you know prime GQ year six seven eight you know feeling feeling good GQ, GQ knew knew a lot more things so just to give a bit of background to the guys who are perhaps from the UK who who follow us, who are perhaps new to the game and, and never watched you play, drafted 112th overall in 2015 by the Texans, 159 games played. I think you missed one game in total because of a concussion in, in Houston, yeah. and otherwise you played in every single game that you were eligible for, which is insane. 96 games for Detroit, 24 interceptions in your career, which is insane. Uh, especially at the safety position, too. Um, you led the NFL in 2014 with seven interceptions in that same year. You've got Pro Bowl and second team All Pro honors. But according to PFF, that wasn't even your best year. That was 2017, you know, which is insane. I, I remember that NFL.com highlighted that it was a travesty you didn't make the All Pro vote at that time. So that's something. And I found out actually in my research today that you're, um, you're collaging the, the Pecan Grove Gators. Is that how you say that? Yeah, Pecan Grove Gators, yes. Uh, those interceptions for the Lions as well, it's just a selected few. You intercepted Eli Manning twice, Drew Brees twice, Philip Rivers, Pace Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger, and that's leaving out the <laughs> the four against Jay Cutler, I think it was. There was a few, a couple against Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> you know, you have intercepted the best of the best. And to start it all off, going way back, 
I was watching an interview that you did with um, Easy Sports last year, mm -hmm. and you were talking to him about the fact that you started off in JUCO. And we over here, and I, I know the Americans too, really love the sort of like um, the long shot story. And you started out in JUCO, you were talking about the fact that you weren't highly recruited out of high school because you were just at a, at a small place and you were still playing really well, but you just didn't get noticed because of where you were. Uh, you went to JUCO with the aim of like ascending quickly and then you broke your arm and only played two games and Katrina happened the following year and then you ended up eventually transferring to New Mexico. But that's that's an incredible journey and like the fact that you even made it to the NFL from there is is incredible. Is that a testament that you've always been known for your work ethic? Like whenever you hear anyone talking about you, it's about your work ethic. Do you think that it was your work ethic which got you there? Or do you think it was the the fact that you started from down there that maybe developed that skill so so quickly because it felt like when you came into the league you were you were pro ready already. Yeah, I mean I think, you know, my, my work ethic basically came from where I'm from, you know, small town Mississippi, watching my dad work very extremely hard, you know, to try and provide for us. It just um, you know, rubbed off on me and then you know to to come from where I came from you really got to work extremely hard to to get seen to to put yourself out there to show that you can compete with you know the the rest of the world the, the guys that are um you know coming up a little different than you and so um you kind of put that chip on your shoulder because you know when you come from a small town small places people kind of look down on you and don't think you know uh, you're you're good and and it's Mississippi. You're not very good against, you know, Texas or California. There's different, different places like that. And so you kind of just got to put that chip on your shoulder and go to work and, and say, you know what, I'm going to go and prove that, you know, I'm, I can play with anybody um, just like everybody else. And so you kind of have to, to, to build that. And, you know, through all my experiences going through high school, JUCO um, just kind of built me to, you know, who I am. And, you know, I remember going into, you know, into New Mexico and the way I approached the game, the way I approached practices and the way I did things, you know, it was different from most, most college kids, you know, they was like, bro, you weird, like you crazy or you this. And I was just like, man, this is just, this is just kind of how I am. And, you know, and I had multiple guys, like when I was in Juco, I had multiple guys telling me that like, Hey man, you're a D one type of guy, like just because of how I was in Juco. And then, when I went to New Mexico, it was the same way. Like, man, you, you're like a league DB, bro. And, you know, as I got older and in, in college and started talking to agents and stuff, you know, I had several agents already tell me like, Hey man, you, you're kind of like league ready already. Like stuff that you're doing, the way you go about your business, it's kind of like you're, you're league ready. You're, you're, you're better at that stuff than some of my guys who are already in the league. And so, um, that that's just kind of how I was, you know, I was, I was very, uh, about my business, about my work. Um, you know, I had a plan, had a goal and, you know, I wanted, I wanted to go after, I wanted to reach it. And, you know, that was, that's what I was about. I mean, it's amazing that you were told that about yourself and that some people might let that get to them. Like, Oh, you're pro ready. Oh, well, if I'm here, then I don't need to try so much, you know, like a lot of people would, take that and be okay with it but it seems like you just kind of shut that out a bit like kind of you were like not bothered by what other people were saying whether it was good yeah. or bad 
Yeah, I mean that that stuff didn't that stuff didn't bother me. I mean, I I knew what what my goal was. I mean, for for somebody to say that I was league ready already, like that's cool. But I'm not in the league right now, so I got to continue to do the things I need to do to be in the league. And and for me, it was easy because it wasn't like I was, you know, putting on an act or putting on a front to to make people think that this is how I was. This was just, you know, this is just who I was. So it didn't matter, you know the day-to-day stuff, week in, week out, that stuff didn't really matter to me. It wasn't like I had a, um, you know, a time around, like, all right, man, I can't, I can only keep this up for another two weeks. I was like, nah, man, this is, this is who I am. And so I didn't, you know, what people said about me being good, not being good, none of that stuff really bothered me. I, um, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if it's how I was raised, but I've, I've kind of had a, especially when it comes to sports and stuff, you know, I've kind of had a real good, um feel for who I was as a player um what I was good at what I wasn't good at you know I kind of knew myself and I was one of those guys where I didn't need I didn't need anybody to tell me I had a good game I didn't need anybody to tell me I had a bad game because you know there was times where statistically I probably had a good game but mentally I, I left the game feeling like man I really didn't play great today like you know, I missed a couple of these. I missed a couple of that. Yeah, I had seven tackles and I ended up catching the pick, but I really didn't have a great game. And then there was times where statistically it looked like I didn't have a good game. You know, you have three tackles or, you know, no, no pass breakups and this and that, but mentally, physically, I was like, man, that was probably one of my best games. Like I was, you know, mentally I was on top of everything. I knew what plays they were running. I had a good beat on it. Like I was, calling stuff out like I was getting guys lined up and you leave the game feeling like you had a really good game and so I didn't really need or depend on people to tell me that I had a good game or had a bad game I kind of knew the way I played and the way I didn't play I was always respectful you know because everybody's gonna say man good game and all that but I knew you know what I done what I didn't do and like you said you know 2014 is the year I made the pro bowl because I led the league in interceptions but 2017 probably was my was my best year like you said um and you know that was kind of a slap in the face because I didn't I was like a fourth alternate for the Pro Bowl that year um I mean they actually even called me to come to the Pro Bowl that week and I declined I was like nah I don't want to go man I should have been there already but if you're gonna call me to be like come midweek because somebody else pulled out like nah I'm good bro oh come on (laughs) Free, a trip yeah. to Hawaii that could have been good. Um, well, it was it wasn't in Hawaii though. Like oh. the the Pro Bowl used to be in Hawaii. It's not in Hawaii now. Like when the year I made it, it was in uh, Arizona, and then the year that I was um I was uh alternate, it was um I think it was in Orlando or something like that. I think it was in Orlando. So you said actually just before we move on to the next main question, you said that you kind of had a good feel for like where your strengths and weaknesses were and you didn't really need anyone to tell you that when you were in college and kind of ascending where where did you think your game was where was like the biggest learning curve for you in college from then to the pros like where where were you weak because it didn't really appear like you had a huge myriad of weaknesses I would have said throughout your pro career well I would say you know I was playing corner in college and I've never been I would say a true cover corner because I'm not the fastest guy. I wasn't the most quickest, you know, those little small, quick, fast corners. I, I wasn't one of those guys. 
Um, so that was always tough for me. I, I always had to to win with my physical ability, you know, being, you know, strong, tough tackler and just being smart. And, you know, by being smart, you know, you can you can put yourself in position, put yourself in spots to where you can affect the game, affect plays. And, um, you know, you don't have to be as fast. So you, you're kind of playing with your brain. So in college, I really needed to work on, you know, my covering, um, understanding those different things. You know, I was always smart. I, football, I always understood football. So I was always smart, you know, when it came to the game. Um, I was never scared to tackle. And so I was always good at those things. And so that's kind of what I had to play to, you know. And that's, that's one of the things I feel like one of the most important things that I, you know, I, gen I generally tell young players when, when, you know, when I talk to them is, you know, you got to be who you are. Um, that's, that's what the teams, you know, draft you for or pick you for because this is what they've seen. So if you are known as a cover corner, then when we draft you, you have to be a cover guy. You know, if you're known as a physical tackler, then when we draft you, you have to be a physical tackler. You can't be known as a phys physical tackler in college or in high school. And then you get to the next level and you act like you don't want to tackle because they didn't recruit you or they didn't draft you to be a cover guy when you never shown that you could cover. They drafted you to be a tough tackler. And so you get guys, you know, look at, you know, running backs or fullbacks or guys like that who are known for certain things. And then when they get to the next level, they try to evolve their game and they kind of get away from what they really are and try to be something that they see the next person doing. It's like, hey, man, you guys are on the same team. Obviously, this guy is a cover corner. So that's why they want him on the team. You are a physical corner. That's why they want you on the team. So don't lose your physicality. That, that doesn't mean you don't work on your coverage ability so you continue to get better at being a cover guy. But you can't lose <laughs> the will and, and, and the physical ability and, the, and, and that part of your game that, that they wanted you for in the first place. And so that's kind of what I did, man. I just kind of knew who I was. I was a physical guy um tackle and I was smart so I always played to that I knew that I wasn't a great cover cover guy I could cover in the scheme of the defense but just you know one-on-one -on -one, man to man just don't like that really wasn't my strength um so I had to continue to work on that but when it came to things that I was good at I had to make sure that I uh you know stayed on top of them and, and capitalized and executed those at a high level Follow-up question, actually, from Luke G's field review, and I know that he was kind of bigging you up when you were starting your, your channel. He says, first tell GQ, I said, what up, though? And then ask him how hard <laughs> it is to go from safety to, to cornerback. Um, well, you know, what up, though? <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, it all depends. Um, you know, I, I think you, you very – so I went from corner to safety, and so I, I don't know if you ever see people go from safety to corner just because – um, the differences in the positions, but you see guys that can go from corner to safety because the way you play corner, you can see guys who may be bigger, um, maybe a little more physical, smarter, can handle different things, um, but they don't have a, a long future as uh, a corner. You know, you see it with Quandre Diggs now, who was a Detroit Lioness. You know, he plays for Seattle now. He came in the same way as kind of I did. It was a corner slash nickel guy, 
but he was physical. He had good ball skills. He was smart. So you can see, okay, he has a couple years where he can play nickel, play corner, but he's going to make his money and have his long-term future as a safety. Um, so you just got to see the game from a different angle. You know, as a corner, you're looking at the game from the outside in, from the safety, you're looking at the game from the back, and you get to kind of get to see everybody. And you have to be able to handle – you know, everything because you got to communicate with a bunch of different players. You know, when you as, as a corner, you don't really have to communicate with many people. They're always communicating with you. They're telling you, you know, this is what we're doing. This is what we're in. It helps when you have smart corners who already kind of know. So now you're not having to communicate to them far as what they're doing. You're just kind of confirming that they know, hey, this is where we're in. Right. Because, you know, they know the scheme, you know, the scheme. But you have some of those guys who don't know, and they're just waiting for you to tell them, hey, we're playing this coverage. Hey, we're playing that coverage. Um, and those guys are, are tough. Um, and those guys probably aren't guys that can transition to be great safeties because when you become a safety, like I said, you have to know the linebacker play, the D-line play. You have to know the run fits. You have to know the, the coverages underneath. You have to know the deep coverage. You have to know the, 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 the outside coverages. It's a lot of different things that you have to know. And on top of that, you have to want to be a tackler. You have to want to you have to understand your angles because it's different from a corner where you're playing it from outside in or, you know, you always have the sideline right there as opposed to you playing as a safety. And now you're in the middle of the field. You got a lot of space on each side. So it's just different angles, different techniques, different things like that, different, you know, responsibilities from a corner to a safety. Whereas, you know, everybody can't handle all the differences. And so it, it, it takes, um, you know, a certain individual and you generally can spot them pretty quickly and know, Okay, this guy's gonna play a couple years at corner, and then he'll he'll transition and be a good safety towards the end of his career. And you want to say the next one? Um, yeah. So, obviously, I've already mentioned already. You were, you know, very much loved by the Lions fan base. Obviously, myself, I did. Ryan mentioned, you know, the whole when you left, it still stings to this day. And you know, yeah, you were very much loved by the fans. And the most com, you know, the most common comment we got when we mentioned that we were bringing you on the podcast from you as a player was how cerebral that you were, you know, your knowledge of the game, your football IQ was just, you know, up there, it was elite. So obviously you were, you were a leader on the Detroit defense, you know, when you were here, did you appreciate that while you were here playing? Did you sort of know that, you know, you were one of the guys on that defense who was leading it from the front or were you just very much an in the moment player? You just came in, you did your work and maybe not even noticed that you'd ascended to a, you know, a position of seniority on that defense. Oh, well, that, well, that's kind of how it started. You know, when I came there as a free agent in, in 2013, um, but, you know, they had told me that they wanted me to be, um, kind of like a change. They want to, you know, go in a different direction. They want to rebrand the team kind of, um, and they wanted me to be a part of that. So um, when I came in, yeah, I came in as a free agent and I was just kind of like me, just kind of coming in to play, be a leader, um, be who I was. And then, you know, the next year, my second year that I was there, we got Coach Caldwell and we got a different coaching staff. And, you know, I had kind of, I had kind of, you know, developed into the a leader in 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 on our defense and you know in our secondary especially. And so when Coach Carl Wyndham got there, they kind of built their, you know, I don't want to say system, but I had a, a, a pretty good leadership role from what they wanted me to do and, and what they expected from me. And um 
you know, 2014 was the year I, I led league in interceptions and, and made the Pro Bowl and all those things. And so that kind of solidified myself as, you know, a, a, a top guy on our defense, a top leader. Um, and that kind of just went along with everything else, you know, the work ethic that I had, the, the, the command that I had from the guys, the respect that I had from the guys. Um, and so it just kind of grew from that. And so I, I began to understand who I was to the team, on the team, for the team, um, on the defense, for the defense. And, you know, that, 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 that was really my focus. You know, I, was, I wasn't into, um, you know, just being about me. I was always about the team, about, about the next guy, about helping the next guy because, I mean, we're, we're, we're only going to be as good as, as our weakest one. And so if we can teach everybody, help everybody, get everybody up to speed, we're going to obviously be better. So if that was linebackers, wide receivers – I just wanted to be that guy that was just, you know, available for anybody to talk to. If it was an offensive guy and you wanted to, you know, some things defensively, come holler at me. We can, we can, we can chat and just help each other out. And so I think for me, that was one of the biggest things is just, you know, once I got to that point to where I felt like I had that, that super, that super role to where not only was I a defensive back leader, I was a defensive leader. I was also a team leader. It was kind of me and Stafford, you know. Um, you know, Stafford was a offensive guy, I was a defensive guy. But then when it came to the team, it was kind of me and Stafford. And, you know, a couple of years after I got there. So that was that was that was a good feeling to know that, you know, you you are a leader and you're looked at in that way. Um, but it didn't really affect um kind of how I went about my business because like I said, that's just how it was the whole time it just worked out that way and you know that role just kind of became from what I'd done on the field and what I was doing off the field and guys could clearly see my work ethic and how I went about my business and it just kind of morphed into that. Ryan have you got a a question I know you haven't seen the doc but you set the interview up I'm sure you have loads of questions to go over. Yeah my question is so let's set this picture so You just turned 32, and I've read an article today uh, that was talking about what they believe to be your final game. They paint this picture of you out before the rest of the defenders on the field. You've got a hoodie on. You're listening to music, doing your own workouts for everyone else. They think it's uh, the last time you're going to suit up. Now, you've missed, like, one career game to date. You've been almost a pinnacle of health, barely take snaps off. You're only 32. Tell me about the decision to step away from the game and retire, because it's not like your career was ended. So what brought you to that decision so soon? Because it feels like you were playing some great stuff in your final years. It, it felt like you weren't forced away from the game. You made the decision. How long have you been thinking about that? And ultimately, what were the decisions? And when do you know it's time to you know hang them up, even though you're playing so well? Um, you know, for me, and and, <laughs> and this, this is... Um... I don't want to say it's weird, but this is kind of, you know, I, I only wanted to play for for 10 years. And, you know, you say, well, that's a long shot because the average is only like two and a half, three or whatever. Um, but I'm sure if you ask most players, most of them will probably say they want to at least play 10 years. So for me, that's really all I want to play. And, you know, I came into the league at 23 and I wanted to finish at 32. And I felt like, you know, I had always told myself, that if I was fortunate enough to walk off the field after year 10, then it would be very difficult for me to walk back on because 
the thing I wanted was, you know, I always looked at the NFL as a stepping stone into like the rest of my life. I didn't look at the NFL as like, you know, my entire life, um, who I was. It was always kind of like what I did. You know, this is what I do. I play football. Right. Um, but who I was as a person, I didn't feel like NFL was who I am. Right. And so for me, I only want to play 10 years. And so that's kind of how I live my life. That's kind of how I approach the game. And that's probably why I never took days off, plays off, because I wanted to maximize as much as I could in those 10 years. Um, I wanted to try to win as much as I can. I wanted to try to make as much money as I can. I want to try to meet as many people as I can, network as much as I can, do everything that I could do in those 10 years so that when those 10 years came, and I was able to walk away from the game that I could do that. And so for me, um, when I got to year 10 and, you know, things were going the way they were and I got to my last game, like I was I was I was tired. I was I was ready to, to hang them up um, because I didn't want to be forced away from the game and I didn't want to leave the game not being able to play. I wanted to leave the game knowing that I still could play the game because I got three boys, man, three young boys. And so I kind of felt like if I'm good enough and in good enough shape to still be able to play in the NFL, then I'm probably in good enough shape to be able to run around with my kids and enjoy being a father and a, and a leader and all those different things. And so now, now I'm 35 and honestly, I, I kid you not, like, I literally don't even feel like I played in the NFL. I mean, like, my body doesn't hurt. I mean, I run around with my kids. I coach. I got nephews, defensive back. We go to track. We run, the field work, like, whatever it is, you know, I, I can still do those things. And so that's kind of what I wanted. I didn't want, you know, a, a horrific injury or something like that to – take me away from the game and then now three years out of the game I'm having to have you know hip replacement or knee replacement or you know different things like that that just you know affect you know the the type of lifestyle that you get to live and so um being that I was able to play um every game except for one I felt like I maximized that time I felt like I maximized being on the field and when it was time for me to walk away I felt comfortable and confident in doing it because I had gave the game everything that I had. I had, I, I had no regrets. Um, just maybe to add on that, if, since you did retire, have you ever had the itch to come back and play again? And just maybe to supplement that, I don't know how much you watch the Lions or anything now, but is, is MCDC and his staff, is, is that a staff that, you know, if you were playing, you would like to play for, especially, you know, under Coach Glenn, you see all these young guys in the secondary are there making the most of their chances, <laughs> playing really well. Is Would he be a guy you would theoretically like to play under if you were still playing? Um, well, you know what? I haven't really had many thoughts about coming back. I've actually got asked a few times. Um, I think there might have been maybe one time when I kind of started coaching, maybe at the beginning of the year, where I kind of joked around with, you know, some former coaches. And I was like, hey, man, I think I'm going to work out for about two months and see how I feel come December. If y'all making a playoff run, I might I might be ready to to come back. But I just couldn't bring myself to like training for it. And I felt like, you know, what that's a 
to me, that's kind of a disrespect to the game that I love, you know, like when I played, I spent years and days and nights just training and training my body to be able to perform and stay healthy and do all these different things. And so to feel like I can take three years off and then just work out for two months and come back out there and play at a high level with guys that this is what they've been doing every single day. I just don't feel like that's, 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 that's right. And, you know, for me, I was like, I don't want to go, 10 years of playing and then I try to go back out there after three years off and next thing you know I got a torn ACL torn Achilles and now my rest of my life is I ain't gonna say screw but now I got this injury that I'm having to deal with for the rest of my life all because I decided to come back and try to play so I kind of gave those things up um but when it comes to coach Campbell you know I don't really know him know him like that I and mean, I know what I've seen from from the interviews and you know just different things like that um but I mean, he seems to be a fiery guy um seems to be someone that you know you will want to play for believes in you he's you know passionate about what he does um so I can't say that I would or wouldn't want to play for him um because you know my whole thing when I was playing was hey I got an opportunity to play football and this is who the coach is so we got to figure out a way to make it work. And so that's kind of, that was kind of my approach to it. And so um, if he would have been there and I was there and if he wanted me on the staff, I mean, wanted me on the team, then shoot. Yeah. I'd be out there trying to. <laughs> Going back to that 2014 year, we actually had a question from, um, where is he? Ben Brooker on Facebook. And it kind of tied into something I wanted to ask anyway. So the Lions got to the, the wild cards in that year just missed out on a bye by losing to Green Bay in the final week, which was a, a bitter blow. And then and then we play the Cowboys. I mean, it's, it's the worst. It's still so horrible. But, like, ignoring that, it's probably the best team that I can think of in the last 20 years of Lions football, at least since the last playoff win in, in 1991. Um, did you come away from that season kind of feeling like you... The, the, the team had left something on the table. Obviously, like, the game was stolen against the Cowboys, but we could have beaten Green Bay and not ever played that game. So, you know, whatever. But the offense and defense kind of seemed to play complementary football all the way through the year. It really seemed like something had clicked. And am I kidding myself by thinking that it was a team that could have gone all the way? Did, did, did you guys feel that? Yeah, we definitely did. You know, we had we had the pieces. You know, we had a good quarterback in uh, Stafford. We had running backs. Uh, we had wide receivers, tight ends. You had a good old line, so you had the pieces offensively. We had pieces defensively. We had a great D-line, good linebackers, good secondary. And, um, you know, the the game against Green Bay, you know, we, we just couldn't – we couldn't figure out a way to make enough plays and to win that game. Um you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback and and, and what they've been doing in, in Green Bay for a long time is uh is really really, really difficult to um to win, especially up in, in Green Bay um in, in week seventeen, I think that year. And so that was a tough game. We 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 let that one slip and then going to Dallas, um I mean, we we jumped out on those guys pretty uh pretty good, I think. I think it was up maybe fourteen 14-0 maybe, uh, something like that. And then, you know, we give up a play right before the half. I think we gave up a big play. 
and that changed the game. And then the second half, they they made a couple plays, and then for for that to happen, um, in the second half with the pass interference call, you know, it's unfortunate. You know, as players, you try not to like. At least for me, I try not to, you know make it about that one play, you know what I'm saying? Like the game could have been so different and that play wouldn't even matter, you know, if we had continued to take care of our business. Um, but that's kind of how it played out and people have what they, people feel what they feel about it. But we definitely let um, that, that year slip away. You know, we definitely let that year slip away. Um, but it was also a, a huge year for for us in, in in Detroit, you know, making the playoffs, um, you know, doing something, becoming a respectable team, uh, formidable opponent. I mean, I think you know the year before. I think that year we only had maybe two primetime games. I think we opened up Monday night against the Giants on on, on Monday Night Football, and then I think we always had that that Thanksgiving game that we played. But then the 2000, the next year after we after we made that run, I think we had like five five primetime games, and so you know to be able to put a team, a city, you know, on 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 the map, on the on the TV networks like we did, that was a huge accomplishment. And just to you know to make people think twice about playing Detroit, and so to come back and then you know you just putting yourself in those games, you know you. I know as fans, you want to just be able to get in those games and win those games and go win a Super Bowl and do all those good things. Um, but it don't always work like that. But the more you put yourself in those games, the more you put yourself in the playoffs, the more you put yourself in situations, eventually at some point it will happen and you will have enough guys that that know how to win and know exactly what to take and know how to prepare and all those different things. And it'll work out and it'll win. It'd be a great feeling for the fans. It just wasn't our time. Um, and so we kept working and, you know, we got back there again. You know, I think we had did the same thing, right? We had another playoff game. We had to go to, I think we went to Seattle, I think first round and uh, another tough place to play coming off of a, another winner take all game, I think against green Bay in week 17. But I think we had that game in Detroit and we we ended up losing that one again. So, um, you know, we just we it just wasn't our time, man. But it it, it was a great run that we had, and um, you know, unfortunately, it it ended the way it ended, and you know, it's kind of like the Lions had to start all over again. And you want to take this one? Um, yeah. So you obviously you mentioned about the the team there, how close you were. I mean, was there? a moment that you can recall sort of a locker room moment, maybe one of the funniest locker room moments you had there when you were here with the lions. Oh man, we had tons of them, man. I mean, just, <laughs> just guys being, being funny, being crazy in the locker room, man. You know, we had a lot of different games, different things that we've done. Um, I'm not really one of the guys that kind of put out locker room stories just because the locker room is such a sacred place. And, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, when guys leave the game, one of the things they miss the most is the locker room because you just have so much going on, so many different personalities, so many different things. You spend a lot of time up there. I mean, we're up there 12 to 14 hours a day. So um, you spend a lot of time up there, which is a lot of time in the locker room before games, after games. Um, but, you know, 
some of those guys are all hilarious, man. Just super funny, you know, dance competitions. You see guys, you know, have rookie, have rookies doing different things, man. It's, it's, um, you know, it, I mean, you could do a full, like, I wouldn't say documentary, but like a full, like show comedy show, whatever you want to make it just based off the locker room. Like, and people will be so interested in like the little things that go on inside of the locker room but i'm not the one to put those things out there (laughs) (laughs) um so ryan you must have another one i do yeah uh you've mentioned the boys obviously uh i know you're into like coaching them you care about them playing football how they play it what kind of coaches the nfl made you and what positions do they play how do how much do they love football? How does it affect their lives having you in it and play football? Is it just revolved around the family always? You talking? You said my boys. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. What positions do they play? How you coach? Obviously, what kind of coach oh, yeah. are you in your position? Oh yeah. So um, my boys. So my oldest son, he plays uh, wide receiver, defensive back, um, corner, safety type. Um, my middle son. He played uh, running back and kind of safety. He's younger. He's only nine. And then my six-year-old, he played like safety and running back. Um, but those those guys are those guys are they're 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 athletic and um, you know the thing that I struggle with, especially being here in Texas, is just the fact that they want to start playing so early. You know, I didn't start playing tackle football. You know, organized tackle football at least until I was in seventh grade. You know, I hear my six-year-old just finished flag football and they're ready for him to get into tackle football next year. And I'm like, God, he's seven years old. Like, I don't know if he need to play tackle football at seven years old. I mean, eesh. You know, my oldest son is, like I said, he just turned 12. And this was his first year playing tackle football. You know, he played flag, I think, when he was like eight. Um, but we've been playing baseball, you know, and – and I always told him, like, hey, I'll teach you guys how to play. I'll show you guys everything you guys need to know um, when it comes to playing. You know, I'll teach you how to play. I'll teach you how to tackle. I'll teach you, I'll teach you guys the game. Just, just trust me and be patient. Um, and so my oldest son went out this year, and, you know, it was multiple, multiple people that was like, dog, there's no way that's his first year playing. I'm like, yeah, bro, he's, I mean, he's never played tackle football. But – you know, when it's kind of in your in your genes, in your blood, and then you have the the, the proper coaching and proper teaching, you know, you can go out there and play, especially if you're athletic and and you know what you're doing. Um, but for me, you know, when it comes to coaching these the, the younger kids, man, I, I believe in teaching them. And, you know, I don't want to just teach them and show them, like, what to do. I believe in teaching them why they're doing it and how it affects them, you know, when they do it right and how it affects them when they do it wrong. And so – um, I feel like if I do those things and not, like I said, not just show you what to do, but tell you why you're doing it and how it affects you. I feel like that helps you become a problem solver when you're, when you're faced with different situations on the field, because there'll be other things that come up and you may not know exactly what to do. But if I've told you and taught you what to do, how to do it, when to do it, maybe you can apply that in those situations without somebody actually having to tell you exactly what to do. And, you know, I'm going to use like a, I'm going to use like a baseball example. Um, you know, when you're coaching, 
when you're coaching like T-ball, right, um, you have these coaches when, you know, especially when they're on defense, you know, the team will hit the ball and the ball might go to the pitcher or something like that, and they're trying to get the kid out at first. And then, you know, the kid hit the next kid come up and they hit the ball off the tee and then the first runner go to second. And next thing you know, you, you, you eventually end up with the bases loaded, right? You got to run on first, second, and third. So then the next time the kid hits the ball, it goes to the pitcher and then the coaches are screaming at the pitcher like, hey, go touch home plate, go touch home plate. So then you get this kid that's at the pitcher mile. He picks up the ball. He runs. He touches home plate, right? And everybody celebrates. Yeah, yeah, great job. Good job. So then now, you know, you get to the next end and there's nobody on base. <laughs> and the first kid gets up and hits the ball. And the pitcher gets it. And he runs home and touches home plate. And everybody's like, no, no, throw it to first. And it's like, this kid's like, well, what do you mean? Last time I went and touched home plate. I got out and everybody celebrated what's going on this time. And it's because they didn't teach the kid why he was going to home plate. They just told him to go to home plate. And so when you teach the kids, Hey, this is why you would go to home plate. This is why you would go to first. This is why you would go to second. Those different things. Now they learn how to play. They learn the game. And I get it. Some kids would know that. But everybody don't know because you have some kids that are just going out to play baseball and they're learning, right? So it's the same way with football. You just tell a kid, hey, go do this. Well, he don't know why he's doing it. He don't know when to apply it other than that one specific situation. So the next time he goes to do that, that may be the wrong situation. And now you're fussing like, no, 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 you got to do this. Well, last time you told him to do that. So I, I believe in teaching them the right way, um, teaching them how to do it, teaching them why to do it you know, teaching them when they do it. And I tell them always, you know, and, you know, you do things the right way, when it happen, uh, when it happen by doing things the right way, but I'm not going to miscoach you just to win. You know, I'm going to coach you right. We're going to learn and we'll, we'll win as we go. And so that approach has, uh, has actually been good because, you know, I mean, not to brag, but we won a, a, a baseball championship when I was coaching in little league and, you know, we won a football Super Bowl this year. Um, so I think it's working out pretty good. I wish that you was... were my dad because I'd have been I'd have been better cornerback now if you were my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's 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 something that I kind of think about us over here. So I kind of said to you before we came on air that uh, as a Brit, you, so I, I was big into my rugby at like the age of four or five and maybe had a similar kind of upbringing to you guys did when you're teaching football from that age. But I came into football at 18, 19, and even now, like kind of 13, 14 years into learning about all this stuff, I kind of really feel like a child when it comes to learning about stuff. So I was watching one of your DB Room videos this lunchtime just to kind of get an idea of what that channel is for and how you speak about the game. And it was, um, it was a video teaching about cover one. And how, you know, the the offense might use uh, motion in order to find out whether a team's in man or in zone. And mm -hmm. it's something that kind of if you're watching the broadcast, you can see it happen in real time. And, and you get it because, like, you can see a man moving with a guy or not moving with a guy. And intrinsically, OK, I get that they're in man or in zone. But the way that you speak about the video in terms of, oh, and if they motion at the tight end out wide, 
you don't want the tight end to be lined up with the uh, with the corner outside. You want to have the safety on him, even if he's still outside, and the the X receivers kind of inside him. Uh, you, you know, in terms of where you want your coverage to be, and so you ideally like these guys to switch over, but you can't do it if you're not going to disguise what your coverage is. And, and then talking about like. If people go in motion, you kind of want to pass this guy off, but you're going to remain in man if you've got three linebackers or something like that. Like, and, and you're talking about this, and I'm like, this is stuff I can see and I can understand, but being able to put the words to it and explain it to someone so that it makes sense to that person is just a skill that like blows my mind. And you, you put it so easily. So I've really found it useful, and I, I hope you do go back to that because it's something that I'm going to take something away from every time I watch a video. So I I hope you get back to that. But in terms of explaining it to someone, you had a load of guys in that room. Tracy um, was there in your last year when he was a rookie. And he was quoted as saying, you know, Grover really helped me out in developing my game and what have you. Did, did that come naturally to you? You said before that, you know, you were there for people. But in terms of trying to teach people how to play the game better, to learn the game better? Was that something that came naturally, or did you progress that skill as you as you got older? How, how do you do that? Uh, I think I think it came natural to me. I think I've been in, in that role, in that position, kind of my whole life. Um, and so being able to teach the game, talk to the game, being able to, you know, put the game into terms where the average person could understand it. You know, that is something that, you know, I've, I've, I've been told by a lot of people that, man, I can really understand what you said because you you make it simple for us, you know. And so that's kind of how I look at the game and that's kind of how I've always taught it. That's kind of how I've helped, you know, players that um, that I play with, um, you know, other 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 guys, other safeties, corners, people in the groups. When we're trying to figure things out. I'm always about like, hey, man, how can we make this easier? Because when you're playing a game and you got tons of guys moving, you got 80,000 people screaming, coaches screaming, this and this and that, it's all chaotic. How can we make this simple for us? And that was one of my biggest things, trying to find ways to make it make it simple. And so um, it just kind of comes natural for me, man. I just, I just, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to explain, um, but... I've always been able to do it. Just, just take it and try to make people see it, you know, for what's important, because I mean, you're going to have other little things that get thrown in there that offenses will do or people or whatever. That's really not important. You know, you got to take the things that's, this is what's important. This is what's going to hold up for you 90% of the time. That 1%, you just got to be a good football player. Right. I mean, and, and, and it's with anything, right? Like doing a, doing an interview, right? 90% of the time, things are going to go exactly kind of how you want it to be. So for that 10%, that one time that it don't, like you got to be able to, you know, finagle it, or you got to be able to, you know, carry on. You got to be able to like, you know, keep the conversation going, even though you lost your script and you don't know what question you want to ask next. You just got to kind of have to make it work for that one time. But when this is what you do, you can, figure out how to get it done, right? So 90% of the time, the game is going to be, you know, they're going to do things like they like they do, you know, and that one, that 10%, that one out of 10 plays that they mix it up on you, 
you just gotta be a good football player and and play football you know so, so for you for you yourself obviously who who sort of taught you you know obviously when you're growing up all rookies they will sit and watch tape for hours and hours and hours i'm sure you've done that yourself was there a certain player who you know when you were growing up when you were a rookie whose tape you would go and watch sort of like religiously whether it be the way they see the game the way they played was there someone you looked up to and tried to you know to just learn from Nah, it really wasn't, man. And what's crazy, when I was in Houston, I didn't really have that 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 veteran corner to even teach me. Because my rookie year, uh, Dante Robinson was our lead corner. And he kind of held out all the training camp. He came back the first week of the season because, you know, he was in contract dispute. Um, and so then after I go through that year, and so then going to my second year, Dante was gone, you know, Jock Reeve was gone, Fred Bennett. Like, I was the older corner in our room, and I was only in year two. So I didn't really have anybody to, like, teach me how to uh, watch film, teach me how to, like, do anything, uh, study people, this or that. Um, And so I just kind of had to do it by, like, what works for me. And so you have some people who, yeah, they sit there and they watch hours and hours and hours of film. And I was never really that guy to watch hours and hours and hours of film. And it's weird. People don't believe that. But, um, yeah, I will watch it. But it didn't take me long to kind of figure it out, you know, because I was a student. I was a fan of the game. So even before – um, I would have to cut the film. Or I always kind of had an idea just because if a game was on TV, I obviously watched the game, right? So if we're playing, you know, who the Detroit Lions playing next week? I don't even know. Atlanta. Um, who they're playing, Atlanta? Yeah. All right, so I don't even know. Like, I don't think I've watched one game from Atlanta all year. So I won't even um, – <laughs> I won't even use that game, but the game they just played, right? You look at the the Arizona game, right? They just played Arizona. So before I even cut the film on, just from being a football fan, I would say, okay, offensively, they got Kyler Murray. Um, you know, they got DeAndre Hopkins, who is injured right now. They got A.J. Green, um, who is a good receiver, but he's on the older side of things. Right. And then they got the young kid from uh, Texas and them, I think Christian Kirk. Um, but outside of that, just and this is just for me being a fan. I can't tell you. I don't know who Carolina. I mean, not Carolina, who the Cardinals running back is. Right. I don't know who he is. Just I mean, if I if you tell me his name, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's not one of those guys where I'm just like, oh, that's, you know, Jonathan Taylor or they, they got this guy. Right. So. I would always, I would automatically feel like, okay, they're going to put the ball in Kyler's hand, Kyler Murray's hand a lot, right? They're going to try to go to A.J. Green some. Um, you know, they in shotgun 90% of the time, so you're going to get the shotgun runs, right? So now, for me, I already know that kind of going before I even cut the film on. So now it's about, okay, well, who is A.J. Green? Well, okay, well, A.J. Green is a taller guy. He's a, you know, he's an outside receiver, so he's going to try to beat you on go balls and comeback routes and, you know, slants here or there. But he's not one of those guys that's going to be like a Tyreek Hill, right? So now I need to say, okay, well, how this how they're using A.J. Green? So now I know that. Okay, well, then, boom, they, they, they'll mix in with the tight end every now and then. I see that, yada, yada, yada. So 
it don't really take me that long to kind of figure out like, okay, this is who they have and this is how they're trying to use them, you know, because at the end of the day, the offenses are going to run the same plays over and over and they're going to get the ball to the same guys over and over. It's just all about how they're going to make it look different this week. You know what I'm saying? We used to say it's the same girl with a different dress on. It's going to be the same plays. It's just going to look <laughs> different. You know what I'm saying? Like, seriously, you know, one yeah. week they're going to run it out of trips. The next week they're going to run it out of empty. But when you look at how they block it, it's still going to be trips because the other two people are going to be in there just to block, right? So it's going to be the same thing. So you got to be able to read through that to – you know, understand, okay, this is really all they're trying to do. And then, like I said, for me, it came, football came kind of easy for me. So I didn't have to look at hours and hours and hours to like notice that I could see that, you know, when I would study a quarterback, it didn't take me long to see, okay, he likes to look off his wires, his, 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 his targets, basically he's going to come out He's going to look to the left when he hits back foot. Boom. Then he's going to look to the right. Okay. Well, now I see that. Okay. I look at that four or five times. I'm like, all right, well, that's how he does it. So when he comes out, he's going to look like this. When he hit his back foot, boom. When he look, when he hits back foot, that's where he wants to throw. So when I get in the game, you know, because everybody's changed stuff up a little bit here and there because they self-scout, obviously, right? So I don't want to get in the game and be like, all right, when they do this, this is what they're going to do. You no, know, I'm going to have a clue. That's what I think you're going to do, and then I'm going to confirm it with my eyes. So when I get in the game and I see, okay, boom, he's coming out, he's looking, and I already got a clue, right? Because I already know, like I said, I already know A.J. Green is to the left, and he's a deep ball guy. So I'm already expecting, okay, it's three by one, A.J.'s backside by himself, so this is a good chance for them to – go deep ball or try to attack the one-on-one matchup. So now when the quarterback comes out and he's just looking to the opposite side and he hits his back foot and turns to look towards AJ, I'm gone right now. Like I'm already gone because the quarterback's not going to come back, hit his back foot, look to one side, then come back. They don't have that kind of time. You know, if, if they do that, it's a scramble play. It's a broken play. And so it's just little stuff like that where, I would get little clues, little things that would help me. And I would be good with that. I wouldn't have to watch, you know, hours and hours of film. I feel like people that's doing that, they don't really know what they're watching. They're just watching stuff to say, oh, yeah, I watched hours of film. Like, it don't take hours of film to figure out what you need to figure out if yeah. you're a fan of the game. You know they what I'm watched, saying? They watched, but they didn't understand. Yeah, they just watching stuff to watch stuff. Like stuff, some stuff don't even make sense. So do you just think that's? It. Do you think that's why maybe DBs make good pass game coordinators? Because the best DBs understand the concepts that the offense are trying to run. That's what it takes to be a good DB. And so if you understand that intrinsically, then actually trying to put a a passing game into into effect, you can kind of go on the other side and say, well. I know what would make it hard for me, so let's go and do that. Right, and and, and that happens. That happens a lot. You know, that happens a, a whole lot. You know, I, there's some coaching staffs that, you know, they require people to, you know, cross-train. If you was a wide receiver coach, they want you to go and coach the DBs so that you can learn the, the game from the DB perspective. So now it helps you as a wide receiver coach so you understand this is what they're teaching DBs and this is how we can, you know, 
beat that as a wide receiver and then vice versa. Like, this mm-hmm. is what they're teaching those wide receivers. This is this is the play concept. This is the landmarks. This is where they're trying to hit the ball. They want to throw the deep dig. They're going to hit it, you know, 15, 12 to 15 yards, you know, two yards outside the hash or whatever. Like, this is the window. This is the window. When they want to do this, this is where they're going to be. When they line up here, this is what they're trying to do. Um, but like you said, most good DBs, you know, they can they can figure that stuff out. They can see it. And so you can become good, good coordinators, good pass coordinators, good things like that, just because you understand the game. But I feel like that's just being smart. It's just being smart football players. Everybody's not a smart football player. And just because you're not a smart football player doesn't mean you're not a good football player. You just tons and tons of talented guys who are just not very smart. Um, and there's tons I, of guys who are very <laughs> right. There's tons of guys who are very smart who physically can't keep up, but mentally they know exactly what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that's because you had you've had to play like that your whole life. You know what I'm saying? If you're a smart guy, you've had to be a smart guy your whole life. A lot of the guys that you see who are not very smart, they're probably the super freak athletes because they've been super freak athletes their whole life. And so no one ever really had to teach them the game because they've always been better than everybody else. You know, that they've always been better than everybody else. So they didn't have to learn the little nuances that it takes to win because they've always just been better than everybody else. Whereas you get those kids who are short, but now they got to learn the art of the pump fake in baseball and basketball, right? You know what I mean? the tallest guy don't have to pump fake <laughs> in basketball. So then once he get to the NBA, he don't even understand the concept of a good pump fake because he's never had to do it until now because everybody else is tall. And so that's, that's what you see a lot. The guys who are super smart are probably the guys who, who have had to lean on that ability their whole life. Like you look at Tom Brady, right? You look at Peyton Manning. Those guys are slow. Right. So they were slow when they were little kids. So for Tom Brady to be a good quarterback in high school, guess what he had to be? He had to be freaking smart, man. (laughs) I mean, he had to be accurate. But for Vince Young to be a good quarterback in high school, he didn't have to be smart. He was faster than everybody. He was bigger than everybody. You see what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. that's that's what happens, especially when you get to the league and things kind of even out. Right. The guys who are smart. They can survive for a little while, but at some point, you know, you just can't keep up or physically you just can't beat certain people. Even though you're smart, you just can't beat certain people because they're physically way better. And then sometimes you get those guys who are physically gifted, but they're not smart enough. And so I tell my young kids, it doesn't matter if you're the fastest guy on the field, if you're running in the wrong direction, you're not doing us any good. You know what I'm saying? And so it's a it's a it's a good balance that you got to have of being smart and being, um, you know, athletically gifted. And I feel and I and, and one more thing, you know, I tell them all the time, there's three there's three types of athletes. You know, you have the guys who are very smart and they could be really good football players. You have the guys who are super athletic and they can be really good football players. And then you have the guys who are super athletic and they're super smart. And then that's where you have your Hall of Famers. Makes total sense. I mean, so you know I saying? guess the idea is like everyone is governed by their limitations and understanding them is the key to being great at being you. And yep. like you said, knowing yourself is, is the best knowing way yourself. that you can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, know I, I what know, you're good at. Mm-hmm. 
I know that we've kept you a long time, and I still have so much on my thing to, to go through, so I don't know how long you have. I don't want to kind of take up too much of your day, but we still had a few questions about the, the current Lions team. I don't know how much you've okay. watched, and, and then some people had some questions in advance. I, I don't know how much of the time you have, but you okay. let me know if we're going into I'll your, try, your I'll private try to, I'll, try to, I'll try to knock them out. I just had to short my answer, so. Yeah, that sounds great. Ryan, I don't know if you had another question quickly just before we, we rock into that. Yeah, just one thing. <clears throat> I just wanted to know, what do you fill your days with nowadays? Is there any businesses, are there any ventures? I know you like photography. I've seen on your Instagram yeah. you've got taking photos. You like to take photos. Is that something you've got hobbies now you've picked up over the years? You know what? I love I love the art of photography and videography, man. I got into it with my kids. I've always really liked cameras and stuff. I've always had them. Never really dove into the art of it. Um, and then as I got towards the end of my career, getting ready to retire, I was like, man, you know what? I really want to learn how to do it and do it right. Because I've been using, you know, GoPro cameras and stuff to record my kids baseball. But I really wanted to learn how to like edit and film and do all those different things because my kids were young. And I was like, you know what? My kids are young. They're athletes. They're, you know, they're the boys. They're going to have hopefully Lauren Will and a lot of birthday parties, a lot of field trips and, you know, all types of different events so i'm like you know what i want to learn how to do this stuff and do it right and do it good and that way i don't have to pay someone to come and film my kids sports games so i can get content or you know take photos because i'm with them all the time i'm at their practices i'm at their games i'm in the car with them as they're riding the practices so if i wanted to do a full life documentary of them you know i could do that and so i wanted to really get into it and learn it and so once I got into it and started learning, I started realizing there's so much out there in the photography video world that I just had no clue about. And so now I'm just like in love with it. And so I love taking photos. I take pictures of almost everything. And I mean, I, I love doing videos. I, I just love doing it all. And it's just such a great uh, expression. You know, art is the one thing that like you really can't be wrong, right? It's, as my expression of something. You see some people that have, you know, world famous art and it's look like just paint splattered on the, whatchamacallit, but it's freaking art, you know what I'm saying? And so I just love it, man. So yeah, I, I do do that. You know, I'm trying to, um, you know, it's a hobby that I that I love. Um, at some point I probably will turn it into where I'm just kind of having fun, making, you know, do a little business, you know, take photos and, um you know stuff like that but as of right now i just kind of have fun with it and practice um but I, I will say i have gotten a whole a whole lot better over my years of just doing it and practicing and then putting myself out there and so um i'll be excited once i get to the point to where i'm just like you know what i'm taking on clients and i'm doing photo shoots and all that fun stuff because it's fun to me i will say that so let's move on to talk a bit about the the current Detroit Lions. We already spoke about um, Dan Campbell uh, a little bit, but obviously they took in um, Ifatu Malafonwu as a, as a rookie this off season, got injured early, but he's this sort of cornerback whom you may be talking about, who's a bit of a free athlete, very tall. There's been rumours that we might be pushing him to safety, as that might suit him a little bit better. Um, you've obviously got Tracy, who you played with. Will Harris made a transition. Guys in the chat were talking about it earlier. He played at outside corner for the first time in his career uh, on Sunday and actually acquitted himself quite well. What do you make of 
the current secondary and, and the current team itself. Obviously, it's two eleven and one, and yet they're showing they're showing promise. They're they're kind of you can see from how they are against the spread that they're at least outperforming Vegas's expectations of what this team is capable of. What what do you see in this team? Um, you know what? Like I said, I, just just to be you know one hundred percent honest, you know I haven't watched as much, you know, because I've been very, very weird. I'm very busy on Sundays with kids sports. It's, it's, it's weird. Um, and then, you know, the lines, you, you know, you see, you see glimpses, right? You see like, man, the lines were winning this game 17 of whatever. And then they end up losing it at the end. So when you start seeing stuff like that, you know, you know, especially when you have young players, new systems, you know, they're, 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 they're competing. They're playing very hard. They're just, you know, trying to learn how to win, right? Young guys trying to learn how to close games out offensively and how to close games out defensively. Um, as far as the secondary, you know what? I really only played with one of those guys, and that was Tracy. And I only played with Tracy for one year. And so a lot of the younger guys, I don't really know them like that. Um, I know what I see. Um, obviously, I know Jeff Okuda, who's injured. Um but the 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 other guys, you know, that I'm seeing making plays, I don't really know them. Um, I know money's making plays that I see. I seen another guy, I, and I and I don't know, I don't know her name. Um, you know, I see the draft picks, the guys, the different guys that are getting in, getting injured. Um, but I can't sit here and say that I've really just watched them enough deeply to really make in depth comments. Um, but I, I will say that you see them fight, you see them play hard, you see them, how they lose games. And you know that if they continue on this trend and continue to work and not lose and not get discouraged in, in, in their, in their journey, that eventually, hopefully once they get the right pieces, get enough guys healthy, get enough veteran guys, bring in a different guy here, there, that they could possibly do something really well. Um, and that's what you want to see. And so hopefully, you know, after, you know, winning that game um, a couple of weeks ago and then winning last week, you know, beating the Arizona team, that's, you know, one of the top ranked teams in the NFC, you know, having three games left, you know, hopefully finishing off the season strong. Right. So right now, if you're, you know, I think you were 0-10 and one, then you ended up one ten and one now you two ten and one. If you can end the season, I don't know if they got what three, maybe four games left. If you can end the season on a three, four game winning streak, you know, that's really good momentum going into the offseason where guys start to realize, OK, this is kind of how we started to win. This is kind of, you know, how we how we built ourselves. And so that we can take that take that energy, take that momentum into the offseason, um, have a good free agency, have a good draft, all those different things. Try to go into training camps, come out healthy and try to get out to a, a, a faster start um next year because those guys would be one year older one year more experience um you know one year more of understanding how to win and what it takes so um that's kind of what i think about the about the current line right now all right let's go to questions from listeners and take it quick fire so and do you want to kick us off with one of ash's questions um yeah obviously um you've mentioned you know about you your knowledge of the game how you've picked up of this you know if you ever wanted to transition that into a coaching position in the NFL or is, you know, 
is that something that you've never never really thought about <laughs> you know what man I've, I've i've thought about coaching you know the nfl coaching for me just i mean it takes so much time man it <laughs> takes a ton of time and that's the one thing that i haven't been able to mentally commit to is just the time that it takes to to be an nfl coach um but i really like like i said i really like high school i really like the youth you know i mean yeah, those guys in the NFL and the NFL coaching is, is, you know, it's it's the highest level, right? But I mean, those guys in the league, they're already in the league. I really, I really love impacting the the younger guys, the guys that, you know, are the future, the guys that are going to be in the league and, you know, helping some of those guys because I mean, that's a tough, that's a tough time in a lot of people's lives, the tough decisions that they have to make, you know, going to high school, going to college, choosing to go to college, not wanting to go to college, trying to get recruited, all those different things. And so being able to have someone that, you know, has your best interests in mind, trying to help you, that care about you, um, that can impact your life. That's something that I'm really more into as opposed to, you know, just coaching at the, the highest level and making more money. Like, I mean, I mean, that stuff is all cool and everything, but I really like impacting lives. Makes sense. Um, which is your, so still from Asher on Discord, which is your favorite interception for the Lions that you made? Ooh, I would probably have to say, you know what, either the, 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 the Drew Brees interception in week seven of 2014 or the Matt Ryan interception in uh, week three. I think it was week three of 2017 season. All right. The Matt Ryan interception was dope. <laughs> That's what he said as well, actually. He picked that out before you said it. So it's funny that you picked the same one. Um, got Court Medicott on Facebook who says, who's the best defensive players that you've played with in your career? And he offers up Watt and Sue as possible choices, but maybe you have someone else in mind. Yeah. JJ Watt was really good. And I played with JJ Watt, you know, he was early in his career. Um, but he was really good. You know, Sue was really good. You know, um, I played with Jonathan Joseph, a cornerback in uh, Houston. He was really good. Obviously, Slay is really good. Um, you know, Ziggy, when he was in his, you know, year, he was really good. DeAndre Levy was really good. I mean, it was a lot of it's a lot of guys who were really who were really good football players, um, honestly. And I'm not just saying that just because, you know, I'm to say it, but like um to see some of those guys and, and how they work and to see the results that they have on the field like those guys are are really really good you know what i'm saying and you know like even now you know i was with quandre when he was young you know now he's an older guy and he's you know one of the top safeties in the league you know so all those guys are are, are really good football players man and so kind of hard to pick like who's the best and this and this and that and I try not to get into all that stuff because like I said I really love to respect the game and to play in the NFL to play in professional sports at the highest level I mean we're all good you know we're all very talented players it's just you know some guys you know are better than others some guys put it together at the right times and the right moments some guys can't but we're all we're all really talented and I really try to just respect players for, for who they are and how they play the game. Makes sense. Um, so yeah, Don Burr's asked on YouTube, he's asked about your thoughts um, on the upcoming draft about Kyle Hamilton. Obviously, you know, 
people talk about the draft. They talk about positions of value. And we've always been told over here that safety isn't a position of value. I don't really get it myself, obviously. I think a skilled player is a skilled player and he should go, you know, where his skills should make him so. But, you know, what are your thoughts potentially on Cal Hamilton going as a top three pick? You know, he'd be the highest drafted safety ever, maybe breaking this opinion that safeties don't matter as much as other positions. Yeah, I mean, this is this is what's crazy. Cal Hamilton, that's the guy from Notre nope. Dame, maybe? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I saw I think I saw his name the other day yeah, somewhere. Um, you know, once again, I don't really know Cal Hamilton like that. Um, but you know, if he's ranked that high, obviously he's a good football player. Um, you know, Harrison Smith came out of Notre Dame, so the safety track record that helps him. Um but I feel like these scouts, man, these guys, you know, they scout these guys and, you know, sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they don't. Um, but I feel like the draft is all based off your team. I don't feel like you can, you know, I feel like a lot of times we try to put values on different positions and say the safety isn't as much as this or the running back isn't that or this and that. But I mean, game game changing players are game changing players, man. It doesn't matter the position. Like, you know, if, 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 if a running back is a game changer and, you know, say, for instance, you got a running back, that's a game changer, real game changer. And Jacksonville Jaguars are first on the clock. Like if this kid is really the number one, like the best player, they don't need a quarterback. They may take a running back and they'd be like, oh, he's the first running back taking first overall in the draft. And it, because that's what Jacksonville needed. However, if the coach some kind of way ended up with the first pick, they probably don't need a running back. I mean, Jonathan Taylor seems to be, you know, pretty good right now. So um, it, I think it really just all depends on who who's up to who's up to uh, pick and and what they need as a team and what they feel is important to them. In some systems, safety isn't very important from that standpoint. In other systems, the safeties are super important, and they need those type of guys because of the defensive system that they run. So, uh, you know, I, I try, like I said, I try not to just generalize it and say, okay, these, these, this is that, this and that. Um, if you're a game changer, you're a game changer. And I think, you know, throughout the course of the years uh, in the draft, you know, we've seen that you can always find a good player anywhere if, you know, I mean, we've seen Tom Brady come out in the sixth round. We've seen Arian Foster come out undrafted. Plenty of guys come out undrafted. You see myself in the fourth round. You've seen guys in the first round be bust. You've seen you've seen all types of different things. So um, you can find good guys anywhere in the draft. You just got to be true to your system, what you need, and and what fits your team, and make your pick man and not worry about oh we never take a safety in the top three like why not if that's what you need go get him makes total sense um kevin had a couple of questions and a comment first question quickly was how difficult is it to communicate with your teammates on the field so you were saying how loud it is with eighty thousand people there and the coach is shouting how much time do you spend looking at everyone else's assignments as well as just your own so obviously you're trying to make the best play you can or the guy you're assigned to if you're a man or if you're in zone you're trying to survey everything but how much are you trying to correct maybe if you've seen something that someone else hasn't um i mean it, 
you know, it's different. Um, and that's why for me, I, I, I put a premium on practice. You know, I, I felt like practice is, uh, practice is where you, you build that to where it makes the, the end game communication easier because when you're in practice, you're practicing with the person every day. You're having to communicate with the person every day. So when you're going over different plays in practice, you're going over different things in the communication and what you see and how you see it. And if I see this, this is what I'm thinking. If, you know, if I see that, then this is what I'm thinking. So I'm probably going to make this call if they come out in this, or I'm probably going to make this call if they get like this, if they get this close. So we want to do this. If they're kind of far, we want to do that. Like it's so many different things that, we discuss and we talk about in practice and then you go over it again in the meetings. So you make sure that everybody's on the same page. Right. So then once we get in the game, it's all about seeing it and making that decision. You know what I'm saying? Because the offenses, they're going to try to put you in indecisive situations where is he tight? Is he kind of midway? Should we make this call? Should we make that? That's what the offense's job is to do, is to create some kind of indecision, some indecisiveness on you as a defensive player to where now you're kind of up in the air. You're looking at each other. You don't know this and this and that. And all of a sudden, they snap the ball. One person is thinking one thing. Another person is thinking another. And then all of a sudden, you got guys running wide open, right? That's what the offense is trying to do. So it's really all about being confident in what you see and what you feel and, and, and what you believe. And then just going with a call. And, you know, if you make the call and we're, we're all executing that call, then we're going to be okay. You know, it may not be the best call in hindsight but as long as we're all doing the same thing we're going to be okay so we used to always say if we're all wrong then we're all right right so that's just kind of how it is and so in the game you know you're expecting these things you're expecting certain things so you know it's hand signals it's it's eye contact right it's it's a lot of pointing right because like i said when we've already talked about stuff when we get in the game and it's happening fast like i gotta know that you're seeing the same exact thing that I'm seeing. And this is the play. This is what we done talked about. So when we look at each other and we start shaking our head and pointing, I got to know that you know this is what we're doing. Um, and that's what you have a lot when you have veteran secondaries and veteran defenses that have played a lot. When you have a lot of young guys, it's different because they do feel like they got to talk and it's very hard to hear because it's that many people. So you got to have body language and sign language and all these different things that you can, you know, use to make the communication easier. And like I said, a lot of that is in the week of practice in the meeting rooms and in all those different situations where you're kind of talking to each other, sitting down at the cafeteria, you might think about something, but Oh yeah, man, you know what I was thinking about and practice when we had this play right here, I made this call, but just after thinking about it, I think I'm going to make this call when we get in the game. I show it to you when we get in the meeting room, but I think I want to do this because if they do this, then we can do that and yada, yada, yada. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff kind of happens throughout the week. And then once you get in the game, it's just about seeing it, being confident in it, and, and being able to make the call. Um. Yeah. Uh, Kevin also has a second question. He says, um, just quickly, your own favorite personal performance and which one was your best team game oh my favorite personal performance yikes um, I mean it kind of comes hmm. back to you saying like the box score maybe doesn't represent what you did best right, right so <laughs> right, like right. you came away from the from that game and you're like 
I couldn't have done better than that. Right. You're right. I've definitely, you know what, just to keep it easy, like I said, I wouldn't say it was, you know, I, I don't know how, because I would have to really think back to a bunch of different games, but I will say the game that we played against Atlanta in, um, you know, 2017, that was, I had, I think I had a pretty good game that game. Um, um, but I mean, I've, I think I, I couldn't tell you my own personal favorite best performance. Um, I remember we played Green Bay in 2000 and might have been 2000 and might have been 14. It might have been 2014. We played Green Bay in week three in Green Bay. I mean, in in Detroit, if I'm not mistaken, because we beat them. If I'm not mistaken. I yeah. am having a look now. 19 to 17 win for the Lions. In 2014? Mm-hmm. It was uh, in uh, 2014, I think. Was it week three? Yeah, it looks like it. Uh, Don Kerry, 40-yard fumble return for a touchdown yep. to open the game. Yeah. Yep. And if you look at that box score, I don't think you'll even see my name. I don't think I had one tackle. I don't think I had one pass breakup. I don't think I had anything that game. Nope, you're right. Matthew Stafford has a tackle, but you do not. I didn't have a tackle <laughs> that game, right? Yep. Um, but in that game, defensively, the calls, the position, and everything, like, was probably one of my best mental games. Like I was, I was freaking on top of like everything that the Packers were trying to do. And so I didn't have to make a tackle. And that's a good thing as a safety, especially a free safety. When you don't have to make a tackle, that means that the the front seven are stopping the run. I mean, the receivers are tackling. I mean, the corners are tackling the receivers before you have to make the tackle, right? Mm. I mean, that's what people don't really understand. Like as a free safety, you're not supposed to have to make a lot of tackles. It's not good if you have to make a lot of tackles, right? Um, and so to come out of that game and not have any tackles, but mentally to feel like, man, I was really on top of it, bro. Like, I felt good. Got two more questions <laughs> for you. Kevin just finished that by saying comment. He was one of my favorite players. Let him know. So there we go. Done Appreciate that, Kevin. You, Kev. <laughs> two questions left. First one from Tom Wilkinson, who's a kind of guest contributor to our pod. Um, he says, what did he think was his biggest strength as a player, especially compared to other elite safeties in the league, which made him one of the best in the game? I think we kind of maybe covered this a little bit, but what yeah. set you apart? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would have to say, you know, my availability, being there every day, being at practice every day. So being able to affect the guys <laughs> mentally, using my brain and how I saw things. Um, that was probably my biggest thing that separated me. Just my my love for like the game, my teammates, and how I respected it. And and, and yeah, that that plays out in so many different ways. But not taking anything for granted and really diving into myself, my teammates, and and using my ability and who I was to to impact my teammates. I feel like that was one of the biggest things because a lot of times you have guys who are considered to be your good guys and they don't really care about 
their teammates. You know what I'm saying? As long as they continue to get their numbers and their accolades, they're fine with that. And, and you know, I was totally different. I really wanted to connect with my teammates. And like I say, that to me led to greater things on the field. And so I would have to say, you know, that portion was probably one of my biggest, my biggest things. And I mean, I'm sure if you talk to a lot of guys that I played with, they'll probably tell you the same thing. That like I was, I mean, I always just tried to help people and 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 give them knowledge and and all those different things and try to help make the game and life and all those things easier, you know, per my experience. And that didn't mean I was always right, but it's just per my experience and what I have had experienced, this is how we can, you know, help each other. Um, you spoke about your teammates there. Don Burr asks on YouTube, he says, do you still keep in touch with many of your teammates? I think he referenced the 2014 team, specifically DeAndre Levy. Do you, do you still talk to many of those guys from back then? Uh, you know, I talk to, you know, more to DBs. You know, I talk to uh, to Slay a lot. I talk to Quindra a lot. I talk to uh, James Ahedebo from that team. You know, um, he, he lives out here in Houston. Now with social media, you know, you, you, you keep up with these guys and you see them and you come in and you message and stuff like that through the different, you know, media platforms, Twitter, you know, Instagram, all those different things. Um, as far as talking on the phone or, you know, hitting them up like that, don't talk to a whole bunch of them. Hit Sue up every now and then, but those guys are still playing. And um, I talked to Levy last year. Um, haven't talked to him in a while. And, you know, Tully, like I say, through social media, reach out here and there. Um, but it's really those those defensive backs that you were really close with when you played um, that, you know, that you keep in touch with, at least for me. What a team that was when you went through that. Ryan, you, you set this meeting up. Do you have a final question for Glover before we sign off? I do, yes. Uh, if I'm about to put in the spot, who would you like to see make the Super Bowl or who do you think could possibly win it all? Who are your favourites? Who are you feeling good about right now? Oh man, the Super Bowl. So I'm weird because I I never feel like the favorites make it. So, you know, right now they're talking about Green Bay. Um they could, they could, you know, they could. I don't think Tampa will go back. You know, I think, you know, obviously they got pieces. I think it'd be difficult for them to go back. Um so if you look at the NFC, you know, I would probably have to go with uh, – nah, it's tough, man. I don't think Arizona's going to go – you know, uh, the Rams – I don't think the Rams will make it either. I don't think they'll make it. I think it'll probably be in – the, in the championship game, I think it'll probably be Green Bay and somebody. I don't know exactly who at the moment oh, I think they're going to make me. it to the championship game I, I just oh. I mean because I think I think they're going to do enough to win out the rest of the season and get the number one seed so they're going to get the bye and then they're going to have to win one game and they're in a the championship game you know what I'm saying um, they got the round but they, they got the easy round yeah and I, like I said I think Arizona's going to lump into the playoffs and I don't know if they will I mean, I mean, they haven't won a home game yet, or, or, or not haven't won, but they're not very good at home, right? There's, I think they're seven and zero on the road, but they're like three and something at home. So mm-hmm. that's worrisome. And then with DeAndre Hopkins being out, 
he possibly could come back for the playoffs. So I feel like they're going to limp into the playoffs because they started out so hot. Um, so I don't think that'll last, last too long. You know, you look at the, the East division, the Cowboys, I can't really trust the Cowboys. You never really know with them. You look at the South, um, you know, you got the Saints, Atlanta, Tampa's going to come out of that division. You know, the West is probably going to send the most teams, right? You got Cardinals, obviously you got the Rams. Um, they, 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 I guess they put a, dagger in Seattle's heart and, and chances on, on the other night. So I really don't know, man. You look at the you look at the north, you mean you got Detroit. I mean you got Green Bay. I mean I don't really know what other teams are gonna be able to get. Maybe you know they're gonna be fighting for those last couple wild card spots. So I think that's what it's gonna come out to be on the on the on the NFC side. It's gonna be probably Green Bay against somebody. It could be Tampa, you know. They get a couple guys back healthy. They got a couple major injuries this past week. So that'll be it. That'll affect them. But you can never count Tom Brady out. And I do believe that. So it, I, I, I can say Tampa may be there. When you go to the AFC, it's the tough, man. AFC is tough, man. You just don't know. You know, Kansas City is on a roll right now, but they shown that they could be beat. You know, I mean. Buffalo has been so up and down. You just never know what's going on with them. New England has, you know, never know with them. Young quarterback, but, you know, veteran coach, veteran defense. Um, I mean, Cincinnati has looked good at times. You know, Baltimore looked like they're limping. Piss- I mean, you just died, though. No, man, you might have to ask me <laughs> this in a couple of weeks, man. But if I just had to choose, I probably would say, Give me Kansas City in the championship game against um, probably against New England again. Mm. So, oh, yeah, my Super Bowl probably would be Kansas City, Green Bay. That's my Super Bowl. That'd there be a fun is. watch. It would be a fun watch. Um, just going to draw it to a close there Glover we've had you for so long thank you so much for donating your time to us to to the viewers we've had a lot more on the normal and I wonder I wonder why uh, to Ryan <laughs> thank you for setting us up and for being on and, and carrying it through with me the questions thank you so much to everyone for watching you've been fantastic and all your questions really interesting we'll see you uh, tomorrow for our usual podcast previewing the Atlanta game on Sunday but for now Glover Thank you. I really appreciate it. I hope to speak to you again in the future. Uh, but let's go, Lions. One pride. Oh, yes. Sir. One pride. I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Let's Thank go you Lions. very much.